everyone. You're listening to Friends of the Force. I'm your host, Sarah. And I'm your host, Brad. And on today's episode, we are going to be talking about all things Bad Batch Season 1, Episode 6, Decommissioned, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva, written by Amanda Rodas Munoz, and story edited by Matt Nickovitz. How are you feeling today, Brad, about today's episode? What's up? How's it going? I want to scream from the rooftops about my excitement for this episode because, spoiler alert ahead, Trace and Rafa are back. Oh my god. I, if you had told me these two characters were going to show up from the Clone Wars to the Bad Batch, I would never have believed you. I just wouldn't have thought. I would have thought the Bad Batch macho show, it's about a bunch of dudes being manly man. That's it. There's you know? a woman in the show? There are a lot of women in the show, and wow. I'm loving it. I Amazing. love it. It's awesome. And it makes sense because Jennifer Corbett is the head writer. So naturally, Star Wars Resistance featured a lot of women. The Bad Batch is doing the same thing. And it was great to see those two characters, even though we've already met them, show up. And oh, I just can't wait to talk more about some of their some of their callbacks to the previous arc with them. Some of the funny moments from this episode. I- I'm excited to dive in. Well, me too. But I got to tell you something super, super crazy before we get going here. Are you ready for it? Okay. Women make up half the population. Wow. I know. So it would, it's wild to think that they would also exist equally in the Star Wars. I know it's crazy to think considering only four women talked in the entire original trilogy. But I mean, we're still working at it. We're still working at it. Yeah. But um, was glad to see uh, some characters that we had already met before um, in Trace and Rafa, although I have not seen their episodes. <laughs> OK, take my fan card away right now. Um, False. Although I haven't seen their episodes, I was excited and I recognized them um, from the you know Clone Wars season seven discourse, you might say. But yeah, I was happy to see them back, even though I hadn't met them in the first place. What's really been great about this series is every episode has had its standout thing. You know, mm. we had Fennec, we had Sid, uh, Sid, we had Moochie, Trace and Rafa, Cut and his wife. Uh, we had the first episode, Tarkin. I mean, we've had so many different things this season and so many questions that keep getting raised. And it's exciting to speculate about a time period that, yeah, we're familiar with. But we're not familiar with the story and there's so much happening. And the introduction of Trace and Rafa is a huge, huge wrench in our speculating minds. Like there are there is yeah, so much yeah. to discuss at the end of that episode. Mm-hmm. So I, do we want to start with that or how, how do we want to start with this episode? Do We want to go through it kind of from the start to the end. Is that how we're feeling? Let's go from the start to the end because there's some okay. good stuff in the beginning as well. Okay. Yeah. And I know that well, you are really excited to talk about what's going on in the beginning. So you should kick it off. Listen, last week I was like, give me the bow and arrow training moments with one of the <laughs> one of the Bad Batch members. And it was Echo. And Echo hasn't had his bonding moment with Omega yet because we've had Hunter and we've had Wrecker. So I'm assuming next week will be Tech. Because we haven't, I don't think we've had a tech moment yet. If I'm mm. correct, me if I'm mistaken, but I don't even know. Yeah, but I this, like I, I like watch an episode and then I forget everything that happened in the past episode. So, <laughs> but I, I loved that opening and, and I loved how he's like, mm-hmm. you know, you got to be consistent, and he's he's being patient with her too, which is great. 
But I also love the crowd that she draws, the the drunk weak way, which gave me some Star Wars Resistance vibes because I think of all of the the pirates. Oh my gosh! From, from the Colossus, and one of them is a weak way, and he always kind of seems to be really goofy, kind of flimsy, falling everywhere, especially making fun of Kaz. So it kind of felt like that sort of crowd that you would find on the Colossus, sort of being bystanders to something, poking fun at it, and then Omega's like. I was doing cool until they showed up. You know, that seems like something Kaz (laughs) would say. I I just love that. I love building out the universe a little bit and having just fun side characters thrown in there. And then especially seeing Sid come back was was fun. Okay, so I'm a little bit stupid. Um, And I did not realize that those two were the same two from the previous episode, therefore planting us in Sid's bar still until Sid walked in. And I went, Oh, duh. Hello. Hello. Why didn't I realize that before? (laughs) (laughs) But I thought it was really interesting that they kicked us off in the same place in the exact same time frame of the last episode, essentially. And I I have to agree about like being excited about the, the training montage because I know how excited you are for it. So when it showed up right in the beginning of this episode, I was like, oh, my God, Brad's going to be so hyped. Like, (laughs) this is going to be so great. But I think there's this great moment in there when Echo says you have to learn to tune out distractions, which essentially comes back in the end is, and is why she becomes um, a great shot uh, or a good shot towards the end of this episode is that he teaches her the key lesson and also tells her you hit the target three out of the 12 times you have done it. That is luck and not consistency. You haven't learned out to tune your, haven't tuned, haven't learned to tune out your distractions and you're not there yet. Also, Sid goes with those weak noodle arms. <laughs> and I was like, I felt wow, that. you are going after going after this child today, Sid. <laughs> but um, I kind of enjoyed and thought it was really interesting that we ended up still with Sid in Sid's place. But I guess that makes sense um, considering the bad batch needs something to do other than just simply be on the run or else that would be like, a lot of planet hopping and like a lot of just like you know running from place to place and to keep them with Sid adds this extra layer of like well I can protect you which I still kind of think is a low-key threat but um I don't know what your thoughts I about, agree on that yeah <laughs> it's a little bit of blackmail it's like you know yes. I protect you but in return you make me money and we'll split some of the profits you know because she does she does make fun of them throughout, you know, tech steps in there to start talking about what a tactical droid is. She goes, this is my briefing goggles. Which I, thought I thought was that so was funny. so good. Like Sid, <laughs> Sid is honestly great. I'm so glad we're getting her in more episodes because she's so interesting and she's so like low key and kind of, I don't want to say deadpan, but like very confident in her her energy if that makes sense it's like she's from brooklyn or something like she grew up in new york city like she's hard and she just doesn't take hey i'm walking here yeah kind of vibe hey i'm walking here goggles goggles (laughs) yeah i thought that was really good tech from here on out is known as goggles but only to sid because i'm probably gonna still call him tick tick (laughs) (laughs) but um 
It felt like a Hermione moment, I will admit, to Tech stepping in there, being so excited to be like, oh, I know what a tactical droid is. And it's just like, sit down, Hermione, like, you know, like Hermione kind of raising her hand and and potions class and like Snape won't call on her. It kind of felt like that, too. That type of uh, character. (laughs) A hundred percent. Everybody is like, Tech, you're going to go on for 10 minutes, give us a whole ass presentation. You're going to bring out the PowerPoint, you know. Yeah. You're going to have Google slides. Yeah. And and uh, nobody wants that. Like literally no one. And he's like, but 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 i know so much about this and i think it's so great and he's like and everybody else is like yeah no and so sid just kind of outright saying that and not even dealing with him i think was hilarious well sid kind of launches what is what is the crux of this episode is let's get this tactical droid the minds of tactical droids are a scarce resource but one that has a lot of knowledge especially as we later find out as as it relates to like clone tactics and you know that's something that we've even seen in relating to echo echo was a prop for the techno union and Mm. one of those tactical droids was the one that was feeding the information from echo to use in battle so of course you know of course that comes back into play and it kind of heightens the importance of this piece of technology but before we get into the trip to Corellia and the mission itself what were your overall thoughts on the episode as a whole? And how does this compare to what's come before this season? Is it one of your favorites kind of in the middle? How are you feeling before we, before we get into the thick of it, into the thick of it? Ugh. <laughs> ugh. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm definitely not feeling ugh. Um, but you know, this wasn't my favorite, but it definitely wasn't my least favorite. I think it's somewhere in the middle for me because I don't really have the connection with Trace and Rafa, which is totally fine. Um, but maybe somebody who has connection to them ha- has a bit more like thrill of them showing back up, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think also for me, um, I loved, and we can talk this ab- about this a little bit more in a couple minutes, but I loved the droid factory aesthetic. Once again, we are getting those precious, precious AOTC vibes yes. that I live for. We've gotten them twice now. Thank Jesus. Um, but it also gave me portal two vibes with like the, when she's going, th- when shell, your main character is like going through the decommissioned, um, you know, dystopian um, aperture labs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All my portal fans out there. Tweet me. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, everything's kind of breaking and, and run down. The fact that they're decommissioning them feels like that too. Um, but the thing I really did like, and we all talk about this at the end, is the speculation setup and also the understanding that maybe Sid's buyers are not the greatest people and what side are the bad batch choosing right now and will they ultimately choose to do something different or just stick with this path so i think this presented a lot of options it didn't give me like the larger galactic picture that i really love to see like that's probably my favorite element of the show like and if we get bill organa i will die but I'll show up for the episode recording and don't worry about it. Like you're not going to have to worry about finding another episode, but like it's going to be ghost me. So yeah, like I thought this presented a lot of possibilities. I really like the aesthetic. I really like the adventure of it um, and like the chase throughout the factory, but it wasn't my favorite at the same time. So solid, solid episode. Yeah. Great moments. Maybe not the best episode of the season, but yeah, I was throwing my fists in the air when, when they showed up, but you make a great point about how it didn't necessarily paint the larger picture of the galaxy. And when I put it 
next to resistance. Resistance was kind of the same thing. And I think maybe we should temper our expectations a bit and think it's probably going to be a bit more of an intimate story for a bit before it feeds back into the larger galactic story. Because even on resistance, we had like Tam in season two for like a couple episodes. And Mm -hmm. then like there was like 10 episodes of just the Colossus and like all these sort of side missions they were going on. And we were just like, where was Tam? Like, where's Tam? We we haven't seen anything from her. And now we're kind of, I'm feeling the same thing with Crosshair. I'm like, where's Crosshair? We haven't seen Crosshair in like three episodes. So what I think they're trying to do is like build up to an explosive finish. We have nine to 10 episodes left. So what I, I think they're trying to do is really make everything feel intimate, build out those relationships within the Bad Batch. And obviously there's problems with Wrecker that we're going to talk about too, which might <laughs> lead to some larger implications as well. But scared. how much better will it be if we get these smaller episodes with little key lessons in each one so that mm-hmm. when we get to the end, all the character decisions make sense, all of the story makes sense, and it feels earned and it feels good. Plus, we get hit with all of the cool larger things that are happening as part of the the empire. And I don't think Rampart's going away. Crosshair is not going away. Tech's not going away. Like those are going to be some key players. We just haven't gotten yeah. back to them yet, you know? Yeah. And I don't think it like is like a particular detractor for any episode for me. I'm not like ranking it less points because it doesn't have that element. Mm-hmm. But I think in this time period, because it is so politically interesting, and I love Star Wars politics, like that's what I'm looking forward to most. So when I don't see it, obviously I still enjoyed this episode and found a lot, got a lot out of it. But when I don't see it, I'm like, oh, that's what I really want. You know, when I watch it all together, it'll be fine. And I'll like, right. I'll be, I'll be thrilled about it, you know, nonetheless. But um, it's not a detractor, but this is the time period when I really want to know what's going on politically. Like what yeah. I want from the Andor show are the politics of it. Like that's what I felt was really interesting. In, in Rogue One were like the political, the sociopolitical. Um, like the rebellion in that meeting room and yes, Tarkin. Yeah, and, like that's yeah. what's really, really interesting to me. So, I mean, I hope this is not an Andor podcast, but uh, I'm really <laughs> hoping we're getting that sort of stuff in Andor. So like I have different expectations and different wants, right? Yeah. Different shows and different things, depending on the time period they're sitting in. Like, you know, I would have loved to see more politics after reading bloodline in the sequel trilogy that's something that still feels like it wasn't totally set up but we have the beginning point in rots and the end point in a new hope that have to be like stuff is happening and so when we're getting those little bits that's what's like so thrilling to me so not a knock against this episode but like i also can't wait for more of that too because that's like that's oh ooh, ooh, my gosh so exciting so hopefully we get bail organa and then we get back into it like, <laughs> fingers crossed i don't know my one hope for this season was was panaka or bail organa and if we get both i will literally fall over and die so maybe they shouldn't give me both but i really hope they do listen i'm in complete agreement with you i i love the politics in star wars it's why i continue to grow more of an appreciation for the the prequel trilogy and let me tell you i love the prequel trilogy but like as i get older i love it even more like and more and more mm-hmm. and it's because of what we see in our own world and how we relate it back to star wars and see it through a new lens and and the politics of it all is just so fascinating to me 
And I think when Star Wars delves into that, yeah, the sequel trilogy was missing that completely. You know, Hosnian Prime was just destroyed. And I was like, oh, that could have been kind of cool to include more of. But yeah, I think we'll get there and it's going to feel so good once we do. But what I do love about the Bad Batch is even though we're not getting necessarily that storyline, we're getting a lot of different planets. Yeah. And going to Corellia this episode after Solo, the first time we've been there on screen since then, three years later really really exciting it looked just like solo it felt exactly like the same vibe you know the the droids that were there and the landscape i felt like i was transported back to that film and i love that film i know you have interesting thoughts on it and we don't necessarily see eye to eye on it but i i i love corellia and it's uh, it's mm-hmm. a hub for for construction especially yeah. many of the empire's own ships as we'll see in solo where they're building star destroyers there Mm-hmm. So it becomes a hot spot. Yes. And I will say I really appreciate that they were going to Corellia too, because that is a world we we did get to know a little bit in Solo. And there's a lot of interesting stuff there. And obviously we know we've known about it as like Han Solo's background prior to this. And, and you know, so I was glad that we went there. I think um, no spoilers for anything at all. Not a single thing, nothing at all. But I think it's interesting how we're all getting this um solo content with a C, TM at the very end, kind of at the same time. Mm. Um, no spoilers for anything at all. If you know, then you know. If you don't, it's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen to the force poll list on our Patreon. And you'll yeah, know. yeah. You'll know. Um, <laughs> but but. I, I don't know if that's planned or not planned, but like I'm happy to see the the solo energy continue because even though it wasn't my favorite film and it doesn't need to be and like a lot of redeemable and wonderful things about it and things that I enjoyed, but like love many people enjoyed it more than me and I'm very, very thrilled for them. Um, even though I didn't love it is what I'm getting back to. I'm excited that it continues to inspire stories and continues to show up in certain ways in other places because um, there's a lot to build out from that space. And so having the Corellia come back, especially in this time frame, which again is that kind of solo time frame. No? Yes? Yeah, he's not even born yet, I don't think. So I mean, but we're still within that close. The the pre a new hope years. Right. So, pre rebels years even. Yes. Yeah, so we're is- we're long before. This is fresh off rots, like a week like weeks. Yes, yes. You know? But like having having it in that time of turmoil as we're coming into the Empire, I think is particularly interesting. So I kind of hope we get more of that energy on planets and spaces and characters we already know. Even though at the same time I'm like, give me all these new characters. At the same time I'm like, yes, give me Bail Organa and only Bail Organa and make this a Bail Organa show, the Bail the bad Bail Organa. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like instead of Bad Batch, it's like bad bail. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I am always a huge proponent that familiar characters doesn't mean bad it's how the story is presented you can you can reuse honestly star wars could keep reusing the same time periods for a very very long time but as long as the stories were new and did something different each time it would work there does come a point where you do need to branch out for sure but i'm saying you could still mine a lot from the same stuff Mm mm-hmm condition on the condition that you present it from a new angle because if you're only presenting Mm. the same stuff from the same angle that's when it gets repetitive that's when it falls into the same patterns over and over and over and that 
we kind of just become disinterested. But when same stuff, new angle, that's when I'm drawn in and I'm not as apprehensive about it. And I actually enjoy it. Like going back to Corellia for this, seeing it through like more of a, of a factory setting and seeing all these new droids that were coming into play and like seeing what was happening with the old droids from mm-hmm. the, the separatist movement that they're being basically dismantled, you know? Yeah. So yeah. that was that was interesting to see. Like, what is the aftermath of, of the Trade droids. Federation look like? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, yeah, 100%. I, I think it's becoming noticeable. And this is like a a very mild criticism. Like it's becoming noticeable that both Mandalorian and Bad Batch thus far seem to I don't want to say rely, but um utilize bringing back characters we already know often enough that they seem to become the focus sometimes rather than the new characters or the character that we're following. Um, and I hope that we continue to get new characters, new places, new worlds, and that they get the time to shine. Um, because if we rely on, on all of the, you know, established characters and places and things like we aren't building out. And obviously, like, obviously I want a particular or couple of characters to come back. So I'm of two minds about this because I want us to keep branching out. Yet I know with in this specific show, we are existing right within this time period that we already know with a lot of players established that we already know. So I'm hoping that we continue to get more SIDS and more characters um, and stories that feature these new faces and new places in addition to the, the established stuff. Right. Because yeah. I think it's valuable to keep expanding the world. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's necessary too. And, you know, I, I say all of that, meaning, you know, the Bad Batch is familiar as it is a Clone Wars continuation, but is from mm-hmm. a new ang- it's from a new angle. And it's giving yeah. us a lot of new characters. And that that's good. You know, if it was just like, hey, the Bad Batch meet up with a bunch of uh, Jedi that we already know and they're going to all run around like that doesn't give the Bad Batch their own show. It's just a, you know, a best of. You know, it's like the all-stars. So I like that we're exploring the Bad Batch, who we've only ever had four episodes with, but then we're getting all of these new characters like Omega and Sid. And yes, Fennec is is a familiar character, but we haven't seen this side of her yet. We haven't seen her from this angle. Mm -hmm. And we get Moochie and we get Tarkin and we get uh, Rampart. So it's really exciting. And yeah, I totally agree with you. You can, like I said, you can do old things from a new angle but you also need to branch out and not let the old stuff outshine the new mm-hmm. and i think it's all about balance you know it's all that's all it is so i think if the show can balance that coming off of the clone wars knowing that it's living not like living in the shadow of the clone wars but people know it is a clone wars sequel like very yeah. clearly yeah i think if it can really carry that mantle but still have its own distinct personality the show will be really successful especially if there's like more than one season so and and trace and rafa are like a great example of how to introduce characters that we've already known balance it out and have them really work well together with our new mm-hmm. characters in the bad definitely batch. it was so entertaining to watch them play off of each other the entire episode yeah they're kind of interesting characters to to dive into because I will say for me, as somebody who didn't know them, I was getting confused on who's who. 
like um especially when they're wearing those costumes where their hair which is their super defining characteristic is covered yeah as somebody who didn't know them i was a little bit confused but at the same time i really enjoyed this dynamic that they were having and the dynamic that was it trace who was with omega yes yep okay cool point sarah um uh the conversation that she was having with Omega, like, you know, you've got a wobbly arm there and, and that kind of that first meeting and then their interactions, the way they were kind of calling each other on the comlinks, I thought was really fun and interesting in the way that they interacted with the Bad Batch, especially when Rafa was like, I think Hunter said, we have the we have the head. And she's like, no, you don't. And she starts running. <laughs> and I was like, Queen Icon, you tell these men you're not doing their dirty work for them. You're doing your work for you. <laughs> so i enjoyed that um and and thought that that was a, a fun dynamic um to to watch unfold even if i didn't know them already so as somebody who knew them already did you get more out of that than i did i'm really curious to know your perspective and also if you can give me the 20 second rundown of what happens in their arc that would be so helpful for me okay go yes so that would be even useful for our listeners as well but Essentially, the Trace and Rafa arc from the Clone Wars season seven, it's right after the Bad Batch arc, which is funny when you think about that coming, you know, side by side. And now here they are together. Great. That entire arc is Ahsoka still escaping the Jedi Order and she meets Trace and Rafa. And Trace and Rafa are two individuals who live in the undercity of Coruscant. Their parents were killed and their Mm. parents were killed during one of the previous Clone Wars. Clone Wars episodes. Uh, I think it was the one with Cad Bane when they were stealing stuff from the Senate and there was a high pursuit chase. Interesting. And the Jedi, there was a, a transport that was going to crash on a platform full of civilians and the Jedi diverted that into the side of a building or something. And when they did that, it's like a classic trolley problem, right? Oh, and no. And when they did that, when it hit the building, it killed Trace and Rafa's parents. So they've had Ouch. a grudge against the Jedi growing up and oh, Ahsoka okay, is somebody that, yeah, she's somebody coming fresh off of leaving the Jedi Order and she wants to prove that she's different. And, mm. you know, they have a thing against the Jedi that say the Jedi don't want to help. They forget about the, the lowly people in the Undercity. That's mm. us. Like okay. we've been forgotten, right? Interesting. And so by the end of the arc, I think the, the quintessential lesson that Ahsoka tries to teach them is that she agrees the Jedi aren't aspiring to what they should be and for ahsoka personally she believes that when you see somebody that's in need you help them mm. so like at the end of this episode when trace and rafa are talking about how they need to get this intel to somebody because they're quote trying to help people and make things better end quote i see that through line carry over to where they pick that up from ahsoka and they realize the value of helping people especially now when the empire is taking over and mm. help is hard to find and also when Hunter gives her the data at the end and he says, you know, to be honest, things were clear when we were just sh- soldiers. Yeah. And she goes, take it from me. In the end, we all choose sides. So it was just interesting to see that character growth and how much of what she's saying is maybe coming from her conversations with Ahsoka and what she learned from Ahsoka. And, you know, she, I guess she chose the side of helping Ahsoka previously. And Ahsoka chose the side of not being aligned with the the Jedi Order necessarily. It's just interesting, you know, the idea of sides and like, what do you choose 
given the defining power in the galaxy? Which side do you choose? You know? Firstly, I'd like to say thank you so much for explaining all of that for me. I think that was super helpful and and helping me to understand why Trace and Rafa are the way they are and what they're doing, especially in this context of going out, doing this high stakes mission to get this intel for whomever they are working for. Secondly, I kind of want to pick up where you kind of left off at the end to, you know, take it from me. In the end, we all choose sides. And depending on who the dominant power, you know, is what you do with that and how easy that is for you. And I think right now it's interesting because clearly Trace and Rafa had made a conscious choice to choose to work against the Empire. And I don't know if that's an interesting choice to you, like I'm surprised they made that choice, or if that's like a natural choice. Do you have thoughts on whether that's like a natural choice for them or a surprising choice for them? I would say that's a natural choice. Mm-hmm. Rafa is somebody who in that arc was doing a lot of things for money to try to get, you know, to mm. survive with her sister, Trace. So I could see from the perspective of maybe they would work for the Empire for the money, but I think their interactions with Ahsoka and considering the elephants in the room R7 is on their ship who is Ahsoka's droid from mm-hmm. the siege of Mandalore yes you pointed it out to me and I went what <laughs> who was being repaired under the Y-wing uh you know very briefly by Rex at the end of the siege of Mandalore part 4 so we knew mm-hmm. that they salvaged her parts and here she is uh, again on the ship so iconic that to me indicates that they are have obviously already met up with Ahsoka and Rex at one point. And we'll we'll get into the speculation later on, but I think they're doing this for the good. And that's why they make the whole point of this is really valuable intel and you are just gonna give it over to anybody. Did you even know who your boss is truly working for? And and you giving this over could have like big ramifications that blow back on you potentially. Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to think these things through. Because, you know, it's it's not what you might think. And he's like, yeah, we're different. And Rafa's like, yeah, I've heard that before. You know, Ahsoka, I'm a different kind of Jedi. So it's 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 interesting. But I think they are doing it for the right reasons. And that's why Hunter ends up giving them over the the data stick. Oh, yeah, I definitely believe they're doing it for the right reasons. And it makes me wonder now that this seed has been planted for Hunter in the end, we all choose sides. Will he and the rest of the Bad Batch make a conscious choice to work against the Empire? Because right now, they're making more or less a passive choice to, I mean, choices are active, but this is not a choice that they're like saying, I'm taking a stand. You know, they're saying we need to survive. And so we're just going to do this thing. So it makes me wonder if they're going to make an active choice to work on the side of the rebellion, to align themselves with, quote unquote, you know, with the good guys here, or if they're going to continue to bail, um, <laughs> or if they're going to continue to stay in this very gray area, mercenary sort of lane that they're existing in right now, what will ultimately become most important to them? And I guess we're jumping around here. We can, we can talk more about Wrecker right now. Or I was just time. thinking that. I was but just thinking Wrecker now. <laughs> I wonder if. Wrecker's injury will lead them to make a conscious choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, 
it's clearly bad. Um, it's clearly getting worse. I mean, he bonked his head again. He's going to have CTE by the end of this, and that's not going to be good for anybody. Nobody wants CTE. Um, chronic traumatic encephalopathy for you folks that don't know at home. Um, I learned how to say that, and I feel really cool about it. But, um, you know, it's a bad brain condition where your brain de- deteriorates. And um, a lot of NFL geez. players get it. After yes. They, they end their yes. careers. Um, but more or less, that's what's happening with the chip. Um, the chip is gaining a little bit more control, a little bit closer yep. to good soldiers follow orders as we heard wrecker utter in this episode that really shook me in my core sarah i <laughs> was not okay i actually thought he was gonna die to be honest he was getting shot at really? and i was like really? what's what's happened maybe not dead but just grievously injured i was really worried for a hot man and i was like is this the episode that he turns like are they gonna lose another bad batcher this week like that's oh no way i was worried no way i mean i was seriously worried i was like this is very very bad um yeah but i i kind of had a feeling that he would get out of it just fine because i feel like this would be very early for things to happen but i don't know i'm i'm like seriously concerned for wrecker and if he dies if he goes to the bad side the empire and joins crosshair or you know like any of the above i will not be okay (laughs) i will not be fine um and it was really concerning when he seemed to hear the voice of crosshair saying good soldiers follow orders because if you think, I don't know if he was hearing that or if that was something that the, it, that was being echoed for the audience to remind you of that, of that phrase and its meaning. I'm not really sure. But let's say, let's go with the assumption that Wrecker is hearing it and hearing Echo's voice in his head, more or less. That's really scary considering those words when Wrecker ultimately does have loyalty to Crosshair through being a bad badger. You know, I think they're still loyal to Crosshair, even if they can't like be allies with him right now they still care about him so to have that person that they care about kind of nag in his head a little bit i think is not great well when you when you talk about them making a conscious choice to choose sides that begs the question how long until they can keep making that conscious choice when are they not able to make that conscious choice anymore when do the good soldiers follow orders so i think we're on a ticking clock right now you know i think yeah. When you when you wonder what the end game is of the series, I think first and foremost, they all got to get their chips out. That's that's got to happen. That's mm-hmm. that's non-negotiable at some point. And I think once that happens, I would personally like the end game to be them joining the early seeds of the rebellion, whether mm-hmm. that be a Bale or a Mon Mothma or them running missions for that early splinter group. They've already met Saw Guerrera. Are they going to meet Saw mm. and Obviously, Mon Mothma in Rogue One has a very not great opinion about Saw Gerrera and his tactics. Do we get to see what that looks like early on? Do they meet? Do they talk? And do the Bad Batch link up with Saw in that meeting room again? You know, I just those are sort of the larger picture ideas that maybe could be explored in the series. I I hate to set that expectation and then be disappointed if it doesn't happen. But I'm Mm -hmm. just saying I would personally love to see them join the rebellion of some sort. And you introduce all these players like Saw, and I would imagine they're going to show up again at some point. But who knows? If they don't, I'll be fine. If they do, awesome. But I think that could be a really fulfilling endgame for the series. And if you think of this, again, as not only a sequel to The Clone Wars, but a prequel to Rebels, it would really Mm. line up well, too, to start to think, okay, we see how the rebellions formed a little bit in the Bad Batch. And then we mm-hmm. see it really full-fledged formed in 
Rebels, and we also see it in Andor, and then we finally oh see gosh. it in Rogue One. You know, so it's almost maybe like, get a little bit of it in Kenobi. Yeah, little tiny, tiny bit because we know Bail Organa talks to Obi Wan. I, I actually, I bet you, I wonder if Jimmy Schmitz will show up in the Kenobi series because he he has transmissions with Bail because Mon Mothma's like, you know that Jedi that you know on Tatooine. He's like, yeah, you know, so. It's gonna. I, I, I'm wondering if they are just going all in on this era and interconnecting these stories, and that kind of excites me. But again, I really want to temper my expectations so I am not disappointed when that doesn't happen. If that doesn't well, happen. Well, I mean, I'm not about that life, at least when it comes to Bail Organa. <laughs> I will have my hopes sky freaking high for Bail Organa. If we get Jimmy Smith back in any capacity to voice the role, to play the role, I will die. I died in Rogue One. This is ghost me, but I will die again um, <laughs> the next time. <laughs> when it comes to a character like him and the beginnings of the rebellion, 11 out of 10, best space dad, just the best, the greatest, the greatest, the goat, Bail Organa. Okay. Sorry, so good. I'm, I'm stopped talking about him. I know this we is. We got to do a Bail Organa episode at some point. <gasps> just saying. Shut up. Why have we not done that before? Put it why on the Google we, Doc. Why haven't even we said that out loud before? We'll do it. We'll what do is it. wrong with us? Specifically me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, this is an episode about decommissioned. And we were talking about the end game. And I do think that this would be a really interesting end game for them. And it really, that's really satisfying because it kind of allows them to continue living and to continue living with purpose and with loyalty to something that means something. And I don't really know where we're going to go here. Part of me thinks that it can't end well for our heroes. That's just how I feel about Star Wars sometimes. And I think this might be one of them. But I kind of hope it's not. Because especially in my animation, I want things to go well. Because yeah. CG Mandalore kind of hurt. <laughs> <laughs> not that, you know, sometimes the hurt is necessary. But like, I, I want them to all be together at the end of this. So I hope that's the case. They will never be free soldiers until they get those chips out because that You're is right, yeah. that is the defining characteristic of these of this group is they have mm -hmm. this chip and this army. They have this chip and they will follow their orders. And unless you get those chips out, there there's no free will. And we're starting to see that with Wrecker and we've already seen mm -hmm. it with Crosshair. Yeah. And I'm really worried if it happens one by one and it's just what if it's just Hunter and Omega left? You know, it's horrifying. That's horrifying. horrible to think about. Can you imagine so, tech, tech is a bad guy? Because I can't. He's just too. He's just too baby. <laughs> I can't imagine. Again, we're jumping around here and there's a lot of thoughts I still have on the factory and everything. Well, maybe we yeah, can save that too. towards the end. But let's talk about the ending, I guess, because okay. we get the data. Yeah. Trace and Rafa make their call. Again, R7. This is Ahsoka's droid that's been around since the Clone Wars movie. This is this is mm -hmm. a long time droid of the series. Who do they send that transmission to at the end to tell them, hey, I found some rogue clones. Thought you might want to know. Well, because there's been a lot of speculation. You are hoping it's Bale. I yes, heard, of course I am. I heard Alex Damon from Star Wars Explain say he thinks it's Bale. Alex Damon and us sharing a brain cell. Yeah. And a couple of other people have told me Bale as well. And I would love that. I think realistically. I hear a coming. It's realistically probably Rex because we know he's coming at some point in the series. Yeah. He could be wearing a different outfit, although the outfit seemed kind of regal. It seemed more like a cloak almost. A yeah, some sort. it was something that had some sort of draping or um, something that hung off of the shoulders. So some sort of cloak or 
draped um, sash or something like that. So that either gives me the the idea that it's um, a Jedi or it's a statesperson, um, a politician. But yeah. you know what? Do, what do I know? Could just be Rex wearing wearing a cloak because sometimes he he probably does that. He's got to hide his clone armor. Sometimes he only has one outfit. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because if it is Rex, is he looking for rogue clones? Because I think it's interesting the phrase Ooh. that Trace and Rafa use. They say rogue clone group, right? So is he trying to gather up any rogue clones he can find? I mean, we see in Rebels he's with Gregor and Wolf. Mm-hmm. So are we going to see him? group up with those guys as well at, at some point in this series and we've seen gregor in the clone wars we thought he was dead but he you know mm. he was later found out oh he's not dead he's in the rebels series so it, it is very exciting to think that oh my gosh what is Re- rex's reaction going to be when he finds out this is the rogue clone group that trace and rafa had run into and this is somebody he's actually a group he's actually worked with before and mm-hmm. how emotional is that meetup going to be and Oh boy. You know, oh boy. A- <laughs> oh no. Oh no, Brad. Oh no. That's going to be emotional. What the what the heck? <laughs> There's a very real possibility too. We might see Ahsoka. I don't think she's going yeah. to be a big part of the series. I think if anything, she would be a cameo and I hope so because, you know, I do love Ahsoka. I don't need her in everything necessarily. Yeah, I don't think this is a place where we need her. Yeah. I mean, if she shows up for, you know, a minute, fine. Whatever. Be with it. But I'm I'm here for Rex and it's a clone centric show and I would love for him to appear. I think it, it makes sense for him to appear. And I think the show needs it because he's the one that holds the knowledge to fix Crosshair and to fix Rucker. He's the link. He's the key to all of this. Yeah. Rex is the key to all of this. I love put Rex. On, put it on a shirt. Oh, God, he's <laughs> so great. OK, what are your thoughts on this end? I I think that's really interesting. So. The the way okay was it Trace or Rafa who was was giving the communication? I'm so sorry. I'm uh, I I don't even remember. I think it was okay. I think it was Rafa. Yeah, it was Rafa actually. We're gonna go with it's Rafa and listeners. If it's not Rafa, please don't take my fandom card away. Sometimes you can take it away. I said you could take it away earlier, but I want it back now. Okay, even <laughs> if I'm wrong. But okay, we'll say it's Rafa, and she says, "Thought you might want to know," and I was just like, "Oh." Interesting. Interesting. I don't know. The tone and the way that she just said thought you might want to know gives me indications that whoever she's talking to is is building something in need of people and probably has allied or worked with the clones before both um, Bale and uh, Rex obviously like fall into that descriptor um, really quietly. It could you. It could be a woman. This this character could be a woman. I don't know. It could be anybody. But um, I think it's really interesting. And I think that the idea that it could be Rex, now that you've fleshed it out and, and really given me some ideas on it, could be really plausible. I personally want it to be Bale because I have a bias that we're all aware of on this podcast. But it could be somebody else. And I think that's what's really interesting about it. And is the, the question now is, will we see this person in the next episode? Or episodes after that, like when are we getting the return to this particular storyline? Um, because obviously this episode didn't focus on who's hunting Fennec, or no, not who's hunting Fennec, but who's hunting the Bad Batch Fennec, and who has hired her. 
it's on the complete opposite side of that. So we're dealing with multiple kind of um, multiple subplots going on here. So I'm really curious to see how those will continue to pop back up and whether we'll go on another smaller adventure like this or if we'll continue to get the bigger picture of one of these two kinds of factions, I guess, for lack of a better word. And also when is Crosshair back? When is Crosshair back? Oh, my gosh. How does Crosshair fit into all this? I don't know. I'm really fascinated. I'm really fascinated to know and I can't wait to go back when this whole series is out and just kind of like see how it all fits together with the pieces of it all. Yeah, there there are a lot of storylines being brought into the show and that's what excites me. We we are not bored. No. We're getting we are getting fed gradually yeah. each week. In, even if it's not your favorite episode, there is a moment that you can speculate about. And there's a moment you can get excited for. And that's what a successful show does. It doesn't need to be a home run every single time. But if it can give you something to talk about, we are sitting here yet again for 50 minutes talking about a 22 minute show. That's that's <laughs> that's that success so to me. Silly. We're, I mean, Star Wars fans, God bless them. <laughs> I include myself in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, much to find out on the ending of this episode, but I think before we start to, to wrap up here, I want to talk about the the factory itself and that whole sequence. I thought it was completely uh, just kept me on the edge of my seat. It was so exciting. I love the sort of trope of, oh, I lost the head. Now, oh, I have the head. Oh, now I dropped the head. And they keep kind of trading off who has the tactical droid head throughout the factory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is always funny and you always keep seeing that happen in terms of the soundscape and like you mentioned attack of the clone vibes that was great because you know you hear that kind of like cha-ching cha-ching sound of the the conveyor belt moving which you hear in attack of the clones i love the conveyor belts like so much yeah just moving conveyor belts and instead of machines making machines it's machines destroying machines so it's the flip side of that right so i love that this the series keeps paying homage to that prequel movie the best prequel movie just kidding i mean rots is my favorite but like <laughs> i love attack of the clones yeah it's still so good though and there were like 15 different klaxon sounds going off in this episode <laughs> i was like we were getting every single klaxon sound that's probably mm-hmm. at skywalker ranch because i'm like there's so it's like overstimulation and i think that's what you're supposed to feel you know the the steam coming out of the the vents and the sound of the conveyor belt and all of those klaxon alarms and the shooting of the blasters and everybody yelling at each other. You're supposed to feel that your blood pressure go up. You're supposed to feel that tensity yeah. and that pressure to get out of there as quickly as possible. And that's what I think the episode does really well. And having the moment at the end where they run out and you see the kind of the ship fly in and there's a really triumphant theme for Omega that pops in her usual theme, but it's a little different key. Mm-hmm. And she's shooting the arrow like she's got her aim on. And I like it makes me like my heart swell because it was just so awesome. It's such a great moment to see the headlights of the ship and them all about to escape and getting to the, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. And it just it's an exciting episode. It makes me throw my hands at the end and go, yeah, yeah, we did that. We, we got it. You know, yeah, and that's that's fun. I love Star Wars when it does that. Makes me feel I like a kid. Also, you know, you mentioned um, Omega there at the end and her her figuring out her shot and and getting good at her bow and arrow and i think that moment where she goes uh, i tuned out distractions is just like so precious because clearly she listens to and respects the members of the bad batch enough to put things together in her own life in order to 
feel more like a member of the Bad Batch. And I just thought that was such a sweet moment. And um, somebody else recognizing her skills as well, I thought was great. But while we're on the topic of Omega, that moment when she nearly died. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew she wasn't going to die. We would obviously, obviously have to save Omega, um, sweet baby precious child. Um, just the best part of the show. She's she's truly the best. Um, what would I do without my my oh, I'm Omega? I mean, yeah. you, you you can't you can't live without that. That's the best. Um, but that moment when we get Trace and Rafa coming together with the Bad Batch to help save Omega and putting the the bounty not putting the bounty over the life of somebody. Um, yeah. And I really appreciated that and loved that that was the way that kind of brought them together. They recognized um, their shared humanity. And I thought that was really nice and allowed them to get on the same page really naturally. When you see somebody in need, you help them. You help them. You know? Oh, see, there you go. It all comes together. If I had yeah. just watched those two or three episodes of the Trace and Rafa arc, I would have known... Anyway. Listen, for I just want to say one thing to everybody who hated on Trace and Rafa last year. Uh-oh. I hope you're I hope you're eating your words first off. Because and I hope they're bland. They taste very bland, like a saltine cracker, yeah. but blander. Like I hope they taste like spam when you eat those words because it's just, you know, there is so much hatred and vitriol thrown at these characters, especially from a lot of people in the Star Wars podcast community. I was like shocked. I was like, "Why why are you taking this this route with these characters and sometimes it just boils down to sexism and just I've quite i've quite literally never experienced it before i would have no idea what that feels like <laughs> if you listeners please know that this is all sarcasm <laughs> but i, I you know agree it's just it's just sad to see that happen and you know i really hope those people are now thinking wow i was wrong because these characters are great and they're important to the story and they have something to offer and something to teach us yeah i just wanted to throw those two cents in there but sarah let's end on a good note because as we've talked about every week i think the comedic beats of the show are literally perfect the show is hilarious the head Mm -hmm. writers are hilarious Mm -hmm. kudos to all of them i we need to talk about what I think is the funniest moment in all of Star Wars. The entire saga. The Hot whole take. thing. It's close. It's up there. It is in my top five at least. Can, do you wanna do you wanna give it to us? We need a diversion. What we need is a diversion. Is there an echo in here? Hi, I'm Echo. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, rather no. Um Is there an echo in here? Yes. What? <laughs> I'm Echo. <laughs> like <laughs> it makes me cry. It makes me cry every time. He's so enthusiastic and confident when he says yes. Like he's so ready to help. He's so ready. He's been waiting for this moment for somebody to say, "Is there an Echo?" Because when you think back to how he got that nickname in Clone Cadets is because he would literally repeat yes. orders from other oh people. God. And they're oh like, okay, we get it, Echo. And he's like, stop calling me that, you know? And now they're like, is there an Echo in here? And he's like, yeah, that's me. I'm Echo, you know? So <laughs> talk about character progression, Sarah. Come oh, on. I love oh it gosh. so much. Honestly, that joke was so good. I did not get to watch this episode till late in the day on Friday. And so I heard people talking about the joke, like the joke about Echo. And they wouldn't say what the joke was because they were trying to avoid spoilers, but they still were vague tweeting about the joke. Which whatever. But 
I got to the joke and it was even better than I expected it to be. I was like, this is so good. This is ridiculous. And like, it was the perfect Star Wars joke. Star Wars Amazing. jokes are good. Okay. Geo jokes, hilarious. General All hugs. Right? General hugs, 11 out of 10. This is another one that's just excellent. When Star Wars does good jokes, I I remember why I'm a Star Wars fan. Like, <laughs> honestly, you know, like, yeah, the tragedy, the seriousness, the heartbreak, the hope, the redemption, all of the themes that we love, all of the ideas that we love for these characters. And then every once in a while, we'll get a, just a, a great joke. And I'm like, yes, you know, forget all that other stuff. This is why I'm a Star Wars fan. <laughs> and then people are like, oh, don't make Star Wars try to be funny like Marvel. I'm like, just, just, just shut up and, and laugh. Just laugh. Just like laugh Star at the Wars- jokes. Star Wars has low-key always been funny, It's though. always been funny, you like, know? Like, C-3PO has always been a character that people laugh at. Yeah. Because he's hilarious, right? It's just, like it's he, just funny. He comes in with a completely different tone and, and makes the whole conversation hilarious. Or, you know, there are great moments with Niku in Resistance. There are great <laughs> moments in The High CB, Republic so far. your CB. head is <laughs> off your body. <laughs> oh, that was Another that's Last that's Jedi what? one I love as well is Finn, naked, leaking bag, what? <laughs> <laughs> There are just like great moments in Star Wars that are comedic and we deserve that. We deserve as Star Wars fans, the funnies, because Star Wars is sometimes really serious and the funnies make it better. Like Geode stood silently, you know, like that on the page that just that just reads us like comedy gold. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned Niku, by the way, Niku in, in Star Wars Resistance. We talked about how he rebuilt that B1 battle droid. And last thing we need to mention here is all the battle droids coming to life. It felt like a Toy Story moment, you know, like when all the toys turn on Sid at the end and like all they're all coming to life, like all these droids are coming to life and fighting for the clones. And it just it just reminded me of like Niku having that battle droid help them out. And then like this episode, the battle droids are helping out again. And when they're all waking up, they're like. Wow, what is happening? Did we win? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, orders, orders are orders. orders. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I, this is so funny. Like Matthew Wood voicing the droids is the funniest thing in the world. Like again, just feeding into that comedy. The droids are so stupid, and to think that these droids like pose any threat to the galaxy is just hilarious. Like that that is legitimately silly. It is so stupid. It's like as dumb as like the Ewoks defeating the Empire. Like it is. But like funny, dumb and great, dumb. Like, I love it. It's perfect. Yeah, there's just we should appreciate the funnies more in Star Wars. Yeah. Maybe we should just do an episode on Star Wars funnies. Yeah, we probably should. I don't know. There's, I a, love there's the so funnies. much good stuff there. And this this really does rank among the among the top because For sure. it, it is that good. Top 10 at it least. Is, it is the, it is the, the perfect joke. It is the perfect joke. No, yeah. okay, that's all I want to say. How long have they been waiting to use a joke like that? Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, exactly. Like that's this been character. in somebody's head for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Brilliant. 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 I love it. Oh, man. Well, do you have any final thoughts on, on this episode? Again, a lot of great moments to talk about. A lot of great things to speculate over. And I think we're going to get something pretty special here, you know, in this in these remaining episodes. I, I don't I don't want us to close towards the end. I don't. We're not even towards the end yet. I know. But we're going to be soon. It's going to be over. I'm going to be sad. We're fine. We're fine. Oh, just don't let them get killed by Darth Vader. Whatever you do, oh please. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> please, no. Um, that please is the no. one thing I will not allow. <laughs> no, please. But yes, any final thoughts, Sarah, on this episode before we close out? 
Um, my final thoughts are Star Wars funnies are good. Wrecker. Oh, no, baby. Please be okay. Or else. Um, Bail Organa or Bust. And Trace and Rafa are good, comma, actually. Period. <laughs> Damn. Speaking, speaking the truth there. Oh, also, Omega, you go, girl. Yeah. Those are all my final thoughts. <laughs> They're silly final thoughts, but I'm also serious about all of them. I cannot wait to see Omega continue using that bow and arrow. She's going to be it's so, so cool. cool. It's so cool. Amazing. Iconic. Brilliant. Groundbreaking. Lady Gaga gif dot. Lady exactly. Gaga dot gif. Yeah. Insert. But yes, this, this episode, again, more Attack of the Clones love. Great funnies involved. Love the prequel love. Love the solo callbacks with Corellia. And overall, just again, Trace and Rafa back in the mix so exciting to see especially after all the hatred they received and so yeah like you said they're good they're awesome they're great and we should appreciate them for sure and by the way shout out to the the voice actresses for uh rafa elizabeth rodriguez and bridget callie who plays trace so lots of good lots of good stuff very exciting a hundred percent well, Sarah, that's it for our recap of The Bad Batch this week. Where can our listeners find you online? Until next time. You can find me on Twitter, go to read the letterbox at SEH221 and on Instagram at Sarah's Puzzle Pages. As for me, you can find me at Brad Whipple on Twitter. And as for our podcast, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure wherever you're listening to this show to leave a five-star written review. Helps other people find the show and join the Star Wars discussion, which is always a good time. And make sure you're subscribed so all of the latest episodes drop into your feed. Today, we released an episode on Kathleen Kennedy with the Dorky Diva Show, and it was very, very, very wonderful. You should go listen to it. It was a great time. It was. It was indeed. I will also say that we have a Patreon where tiers start at $1 a month where you get extra episodes and fun stuffs and we have an, a Patreon Discord channel as well. And so a big shout out to all of our current Patreon supporters, Adam, Amy, Anna, Brian I, Brian Y, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Elegy, Jesse, Knights of Ren, Huang, Levi, Lindsay, Lucy, Marie Claire, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, Saber Bouquet, Sky Talkers, and T. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes, thank you all for supporting the show, and thank you all for listening. Until next time, everybody, may the force be with you always. Bye.